I'm Taylor. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. We're staying in central Scotland for this week with a case which was suggested by one of our wonderful Instagram followers, Mimi Langelier. Loving that name, <laughs> by the way. Very appropriate. If you don't get it, go back and listen to episode 10. Yes. Way back, earlier this year. Yes. Uh, so we do put out posts on social media from time to time asking for case suggestions, but you can always message us, post on the Facebook wall, whatever. Send us your requests, suggestions. In fact, actually, please do that because we're currently working on our program for 2021. Yes, we've got like a, a pretty much clean slate of uh, of weeks ahead next year. So if there's any case that you want to hear or any case you definitely don't want us to cover or like whatever, but just tell us. Yeah, because it's you know. just pointless us making things if no one wants to listen. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. let us know. I want to do more spy cases next year. That's my new obsession after we did that one. Yeah, they, the they are fun. See, yeah. I really like like mob cases, but I'm always like, hmm, how stupid do we want to get with this? But how about like old, old mob cases where everyone's dead already? So, so they like, can't come after us. Jimmy Hoffa or older. Yeah. I kind of want to do Jimmy Hoffa. Okay, let's do it. Um, just because I find it so just really interesting. But the guy that I think did it is dead. So, well, so perfect. We're safe. Then. Yeah. So yeah. So yes. Come and tell us what what kind of crime cases uh, you want us to cover. This week we are in the former mining community of East Houses in Midlothian, which is less than ten miles south of Edinburgh city centre with the case of the murder of Jodie Jones. In 2003, Jodie Jones was a 14-year-old schoolgirl who enjoyed plenty of the same things that most 14-year-old girls do. Uh, she hung out with her friends. She liked music, films. Uh, she liked boys. So she was a pupil at the St. David's Roman Catholic High School in Dalkeith, a town a couple of miles away from where she lived in East Houses, which uh, is not to be confused with Easter House in the east end of Glasgow. A mistake, which, is what, which one of us yeah. may have made this week. Yes. and Oh, both and, of us, actually, I think. The, <laughs> the, the other one of us uh, made the same mistake while reading about this case last night at 11 p.m. But anyway, it's not that place. It's East Houses. Uh <laughs> So, like many teenagers, she had a bit of a rebellious streak and was, you know, trying to figure out who she was. Uh, she was a goth, uh, and she liked rock and heavy metal music. Um, she liked horror films, and, you know, appropriately, she liked boys who liked the same kinds of things. As, as is the case, usually. It's nothing... Out of the ordinary for teenage no. girls, really. So in March 2003, Jody began going out with her first boyfriend, Luke Mitchell. Uh, he was a student at the same school as Jody in Dalkeith. He was a good student, and although his parents had separated when he was 11, he had a, you know, a comfortable life. 
Um, though he was Jody's first boyfriend, she was not his first girlfriend, and he was rumored to be seeing uh, other girls uh, unbeknownst to Jody at the time. We don't really know much more about Jody's childhood or teenagers, but we do know that Jody's social life began to kind of revolve a lot around her relationship with Luke. And that in June 2003, her mother had tried to sort of curtail the relationship somewhat. Uh, but, like all rebellious teenagers, Jodie wasn't going to listen to what her mother had to say about her boyfriend. And she was still determined to see him. Yeah. It's, it's the classic thing, isn't it? The more you tell a teenager especially mm-hmm. <laughs> not to do something, the more likely they are to, to go and do it. Yeah. Tale as old as time. Nice pipes. You are really bringing up like the lower section of this orchestra. Oh, I do what I can. On June 30th, 2003, Jodie left her family home in the late afternoon to go and visit Luke. And that was the last time she was seen alive. A few hours later, she hadn't returned home. Her mother discovered that she hadn't even made it to Luke's, and so she reported her missing, and a search began in the local area. Loads of people showed up to help search the local area. Luke was one of those people who showed up to help with the search, and he brought with him his pet dog. It was a German shepherd called Mia. Because I know that Taylor likes to know the breed and name of dogs. I do. I worry and, for Mia. And I, she I, will become important later on. Yes. I, I feel as though Mia's going to get embroiled in something here, and I feel very bad <laughs> for that poor puppy. Yeah. Um, so at 10.30 p.m. that night, uh, less than six hours since she'd last been seen by her mother, Jody's body was found behind a high wall in a wooded area of East Houses, close to the woodland footpath Jody usually took from her house to Luke's. Uh, she had been murdered in a brutal knife attack, and uh, her wrists had been bound. Her throat was slashed so deeply that she was almost decapitated, and she had uh, stab wounds to her stomach, chest, and face. Now, her wounds were said to resemble those inflicted in the uh, 1947 murder of Elizabeth Short in Los Angeles, uh, which is better known as the Black Dahlia murder. And we do have an episode on Elizabeth Short's murder available to all £5 or $5 plus patrons, if that is something you're interested in. Yes. You also get lots of other things for your money, so you know. Yes, yeah. Now's a good time. There's lots of stuff on there. Yeah. Anyway, uh, although he was initially questioned as a witness, um, suspicion fell on Luke Mitchell pretty quickly. Uh, he had been searching the wooded area with Jody's family, but broke away from them slightly to find her body behind this wall. Um, he claimed that his dog had pulled in that direction and led him to her body, but police thought that it indicated that he had guilty knowledge of the crime meaning that they believed he knew where her body was and that he played along with the search party to create the image of a concerned boyfriend. Um, Jody's family made it known that Mitchell was not welcome at the funeral and teachers reported that they had difficulties uh, with him returning to school. So 
the case against Mitchell was largely circumstantial. So remember when we said that Jodie was a goth, he liked horror movies and heavy metal, which I would like to point out uh, is exactly what I was like when I was that age. Um, Not an indication of anything bad going on in your life. You might grow up to be a podcaster. You might grow up to be a well-rounded normal person. Yeah. Possibly even We wouldn't know anything about that, but like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But this was like... Sort of this sort of early two thousands. This was very much the time when like horror movies and emo music and well any kind of alternative subculture was heavily demonized as oh yeah, um, especially in, like the wake of uh, Columbine. Yeah. So keep that kind of almost. It's not like a satanic panic, but that kind of attitude. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, whilst I am walking proof that being a goth in your teens doesn't turn you into a murderer uh, there were a number of other factors which raised alarm bells when it came to luke mitchell uh, he was just 14 years old but he was already known for smoking cannabis and even dealing it to some of his and jody's friendship group and no matter what your opinion is on cannabis and legalization it is a known fact that it can cause psychosis and other severe mental health problems, especially in teenagers. Yeah. 14 is young. Like, yeah. Your, your brain's still all mushy and moldable. Staff at St. David's had concern for the other students at the school. And so following Jody's murder, uh, Mitchell was required to be taught in isolation from the rest of his classmates. But after Two months of Mitchell flat out refusing to be taught in isolation, he was suspended from school. Um, but this kind of begs a, a, some questions here. So Mitchell hadn't yet been arrested or publicly named as a suspect. So why were the teachers so concerned for the safety of the other students? Well, we'll tell you. <laughs> um it turned out that in the months leading up to Jody's murder, Mitchell had been writing some, uh, quote, troubling essays at school. So according to a BBC article, which, you know, as always, we'll link in the show notes, Mitchell was obsessed with the devil and the occult and was open about it in his essays written at school. In an essay questioning God's existence, he claimed the world needed satanic people Quote, people like you need satanic people like me to keep the balance, end quote. In another essay, he wrote, quote, So what if I am a goth in a Catholic school? So what if I dress in baggy clothes? Just because I am more violent than others and cut myself, does that justify some pompous git of a teacher to refer me to a psychiatrist? Just because I have chosen to follow the teachings of Satan doesn't mean I need psychiatric help, unquote. Why are you writing about this in your school essays? Yeah. Referring to satanic people like me. So is that someone following the Church of Satan? Is that someone who's going to go out and shoot up a school? There's a hell of a yeah. difference. Yes. Is it just a rebellious teenage phase? You know, it's, there's a lot of differences, but they all merit being ke- like an eye being kept on him. Yes. Yeah. And it was possible that this kind of mini satanic panic around one student was amplified by the fact it was a catholic school 
Although if that argument could still be used by 2003 is another matter. Because there are plenty of schools still called Church of England or Church of Scotland, mm. Catholic schools, Roman Catholic in the UK. But they are still supposed to teach the national curriculum. It's not supposed to be that old old idea of a, a Catholic school run by, you know, satanic nuns, basically. You know. So you mean the American version of Catholic school? Yeah. <laughs> the current. <laughs> uh, teachers also found the number 666 written in the back of his uh, school jotter, along with the sentence, I have tasted the devil's green blood. Why is it green? I don't know. Hmm. I'm going to be thinking about that one for a while, I think. That is a head scratcher. Why was the devil's yeah. blood green? Yeah, if you know, please tell me. Yeah, please. I, I want to fall down that rabbit hole, guys. Okay. Like, so is this a is this a common thing, like in satanic teachings or? Yeah. Someone, please tell her the answer because I don't need. I need her to not get lost in a rabbit hole till Christmas. Yeah. I need her focused until Christmas. We're busy, yeah. but now I want to know. <laughs> um, he had also scratched 666 on his upper arm with a compass uh, sometime sort of in the months leading up to Jody's murder. During the search of Mitchell's home, police found a leather knife pouch with the letters JJ and 1989-2003 written on it, along with the quote, the finest day I ever had was when tomorrow never came. The prosecution claimed that someone whose girlfriend had died in the way Jody did wouldn't be likely to memorialize them using knife paraphernalia, which is fair. Also, on a tree where Jody's body was found, um, the initials JJ plus LM uh, had been carved into it. And Mitchell was known to have an interest in knives in general. Now, Luke Mitchell did have an alibi for Jody's murder. He said he was in the family home at the time, and his brother uh, corroborated this. However, there was a witness who claimed to see Mitchell and Jody smoking cannabis together in the woods on the evening that she was murdered. And his alibi actually didn't stand up in court, but uh, we will get to that in a moment. Yeah, and one thing I actually forgot to put in the script, the murder weapon was never found, but um, uh, Luke Mitchell had lost a knife around that time and his mother had bought him a replacement one. Mm. Um, which a lot of articles seem and sort of sources I found sort of skimmed over that. Mm-hmm. Um, Seems kind of important. So, uh, remember uh, when we said that the injuries on Jodie's body resembled those on Elizabeth Short's body way back in 1947? Well, that wasn't just so we had an opportunity to plug our Patreon content to you. It's actually really relevant. Mm -hmm. So, one of the musicians that Mitchell was reportedly really into was Marilyn Manson. And Manson is known for being incredibly weird um mm -hmm. no matter what you think of his music i like some of his music um i love weird people but you know sometimes it's too weird yeah 
Um, he scares me a little bit. <laughs> it's the eyes. I don't like that. <laughs> See, that doesn't bother me. It's when I think about putting lenses in and out. That's what freaks me out. <laughs> well, I don't like that either. Why oh. do you think I wear glasses? <laughs> but yeah, so he was really into Marilyn Manson. And Manson has produced a number of watercolor paintings which resemble Elizabeth Short's murder. And in the months leading up to Jodie's murder, Mitchell had begun to express interest in Elizabeth Short's murder. Again, this is all circumstantial evidence. You know, an interest in true crime, an interest in horror or heavy metal music alternative subculture isn't uh, any kind of definitive proof. No. Of guilt, of homicidal tendencies. Um, but yeah, so aside from the witness who reportedly saw Mitchell with Jody in the woods hours before her body was discovered, there isn't anything that definitively points towards Mitchell as the killer. Mm. Uh, there's no forensics. Like we said, the murder weapon was never found. Uh, but despite all of this, about 10 months after Jody's death, so this is in April 2004, Luke Mitchell was arrested and charged. Mitchell has always maintained his innocence and he pled not guilty, although um, he did not testify in his own defense at trial. Uh, the trial began in November 2004 at the High Court of Just Justiciary. I can't really say that word. Uh, in Edinburgh. Just, 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 say it again. Just, oh, now I can't say it. <laughs> just, 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 during the trial, his brother was cross-examined, and that was when he admitted that the alibi he had given Mitchell was fake. Uh, he said that he hadn't seen Mitchell in the home on the evening of Jody's death. And this bit, I love. <laughs> uh, the brother said that he was watching porn, which he would only have done if he believed there was nobody else in the house. And therefore, he believed that Luke Mitchell wasn't at home when he said he was during the time of Jody's murder. <laughs> Fair enough. You know. Yeah. It, but imagine being a teenage boy and having to admit that in court. In court. In a very high profile case, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. This was one of the biggest cases of sort of the early 2000s in Scotland. So the defense continued to maintain Mitchell's innocence, uh, even though his alibi of being in the family home had now been challenged by his brother by um, his horny brother and they argued that he had only discovered the body after his dog had sort of pulled in that direction and led him to Jordan's body however in January of 2005 Mitchell who was now aged 16 was found guilty after just five hours of deliberations. And I believe it was a unanimous guilty mm. uh, verdict. And he was also found guilty of a separate charge of supplying cannabis. His trial had lasted for 42 days and that actually made history because um, 
It was the longest trial of a single suspect in Scottish history and the most expensive at that point in time. Although the longest trial ever in Scottish history and the whole of the UK, in fact, and now the most expensive trial lasted a whopping 20 months. It was the trial of Edwin and Lorraine McLaren for fraud, which began in September 2015. And by the time it ended in May 2017, some of the jury had begun to suffer severe sort of social and communicative problems, as well as severe anxiety and depression. So they'd had to sit in court for 20 months in silence most of the time, and you're not allowed to talk about it. 20, yeah. 20 months in a juror's box. That's not okay. Yeah. So sentencing took place in February 2005, and Mitchell was sentenced to detention without limit with a minimum term of 20 years, meaning that he should be eligible for parole in 2025. Uh, however, Mitchell has said that he will not confess or admit fault in order to secure an early release, making parole very, very unlikely. So the only way he will be released is if his conviction is overturned. Uh, now, Mitchell has so far lodged four appeals, all of which have been denied. And the, the third out of those four of his appeals is perhaps the most interesting. So in 2011, he made a bid for his sentence to be overturned following a human rights ruling by the United Kingdom Supreme Court in the case of Catter versus uh, Her Majesty's Advocate, referred to as the Catter case. Uh, Peter Catter was convicted at Glasgow Sheriff Court of Assault and Breach of the Peace on the 29th of May 2009, following an incident in May 2007. Uh, the complainant had been unable to pick Catter out of a police lineup, and so the prosecution's case was largely built upon police interviews with Catter. However, Catter was denied access to a solicitor. So in Scotland at the time, you were allowed to be questioned for up to six hours without them having to provide you with a solicitor. But after that, then they had to give you legal representation. Uh, Cadder wasn't given any of this, and neither was Mitchell. Cadder was also a um, minor at that point. I think he was in sort of mid to late teens, but he was under the age of 18. Mm -hmm. um, so this breaches the European Convention on Human Rights, which states that you are allowed to have uh, legal representation in questioning with police, and you are allowed private consultation before questioning begins and at any time during questioning. But uh, Strathclyde Police, which is what uh, the police division was known as at the time, it's now just all Police Scotland. Mm -hmm. But Strathclyde had a bit of a history for doing this. And interviewing suspects without a solicitor present had become such a horrific problem in Scotland, specifically in Strathclyde's division at that time, that following Cadder's Supreme Court appeal, 800 67 cases were abandoned, which included uh, 60 that were classed as serious cases, nine of which were high court cases. So high Jesus. court is your worst, yeah. most violent crimes, which included five rape cases and one firearms case. Jesus. 
Kada uh, was granted a retrial, the retrial completely collapsed because they had mm. nothing to charge him on. They had yeah. no evidence, no forensics, no nothing. And so he was released in 2012 and it basically changed the law in Scotland. Uh, so that's the Catter case. Uh, Mitchell's claim that uh, his human rights had been infringed upon because he didn't have a solicitor was rejected at an appeal court in Edinburgh. Later that year, he applied to take his case to the UK Supreme Court, but in November uh, 2011, that was also rejected on the basis that it had been dealt with at the appeals court in Edinburgh. Um, so in 2012, Mitchell's case was referred to the Scottish Criminal Cases Review Commission. It was found that his human rights had been breached, but he was not the victim of a miscarriage of justice and that his case would not be referred to the high court. And in 2014, it was announced that Mitchell would be taking his case to the European Court uh, of Human Rights, but as far as we can tell, that hasn't happened and there haven't been any further appeals. There is a lot of support for Luke Mitchell and many believe him to be innocent. In 2007, the BBC Current Affairs programme Frontline Scotland examined another theory as to who murdered Jodie Jones, uh, one which wasn't explored by the police. Now, we can't find that documentary online, so we haven't seen it. We are just going off of what we have read around it and about it, and we can't really say a lot else on it. So Frontline focused on the claim from a local man whose friend had written an essay about killing a girl in the woods uh, not long before Jodie's murder and had scratches on his face the day after Jodie's murder. Uh, the, uh, the program also reportedly challenged the claims that Mitchell was a fan of Marilyn Manson and that he had an interest in Elizabeth Short's murder, with an expert pointing out that there were major dissimilarities between the two murders. Uh, from what we can gather, Jodie's family had absolutely no involvement in the programme. Uh, when it aired, they told the Scottish press that they were outraged and would not be watching it. Fair enough. Now, there have been some other developments in the case as well. Uh, now, like we said before, the case was based entirely on circumstantial evidence. There wasn't any sort of forensic evidence found. And like we said, the murder weapon wasn't ever found. But in 2010, a kitchen knife with a six-inch blade was discovered buried on some wasteland in the nearby town of Dalkeith with the name Luke carved into the handle. The knife was handed to the police, who um, have conducted further searches of the site, which was approximately 300 yards from the spot where Jody's body was found. Uh, and the knife was DNA tested, but the results uh, were inconclusive my lamp just started flickering as i said that <laughs> saw that <laughs> uh-oh you still there oh but yeah very yes. fun little power cut there so i've forgotten what i was talking about yes Un uh, unbeknownst to the listeners at home we've just had a a yeah. power outage but um, we're back confused the hell out of each other yep <laughs> um the case was back in the Scottish press last year. Um, a GoFundMe uh, fundraiser was set up by criminologist and justice campaigner 
Dr. Sandra Lean in the hopes of raising £10,000 for her to investigate the crime, prove Mitchell's innocence and find out what actually happened to Jodie. Uh, Dr. Lean explained that people do not realise that Mitchell's sentence is open-ended with a minimum term, so unless his sentence is overturned, uh, he likely won't be released. This is because, obviously, he has said he will not uh, confess or admit guilt in order to secure parole. Mm -hmm. Donations did start rolling in. Uh, As we said, there are many who believe Mitchell's innocence. But GoFundMe removed the fundraiser because they found that it violated their terms and conditions. And I haven't read their terms and conditions, so I don't know exactly how it violated it. Mm -hmm. I assume it's to do with like the criminal, Mm that there'll be a clause in there about criminal activity. Probably, yeah. Um, But the way it was worded, it was it was all about him there was nothing real you know jody was a footnote and that's what really pissed me off about it yeah um in fact that's what pisses me off about this whole case is that she has been reduced to a footnote in her own murder yeah which is what so often happens unfortunately especially with these cases that get media attention because you know the the victim's not there and so yeah. they're not they're not on on the TV. It's oh, let's watch the guy in court. Let's you know. I mean, you only have to look at the sort of the media surrounding uh, that new documentary on that piece of shit that killed Reva Steenkamp. Most people don't know who I'm on about. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. They didn't say her name. They painted him as this tragic hero because he's a. Uh, he was a Paralympian. Yep. He shot his girlfriend and she died. He's a murderer. Yeah. We see it time and time again, especially in domestic murders where women are just reduced to the footnote mm-hmm. in their own murder. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's the problem. And like, I don't really, I don't really care. If he he's like sad that he you know he's in prison forever, like if he murdered her, he yeah. should be. It's, it is circumstantial evidence, but it passed threshold for the CPS. It was the longest single defendant trial, like if and the most expensive or something, right? So if that were the case. And they were really not sure that he was the guy. They would not have gone to that expense. And we also have to remember because of his age. So if you're under 16, you have the right, like the legal right to anonymity. So there would have been massive reporting restrictions. Yeah. He was 16 when it went to trial, but there could have been all sorts of restrictions on it. So... What is in the public domain now, we don't know if that's everything. Well, of course, it isn't everything that was said and done in court. Yeah. Part of me, like my liberal lefty side is like, it's like, okay, so it is, it, it could be unsa- like an unsafe conviction. It was massively circumstantial. There wasn't the smoking gun for less of a crass way to put it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean he, I don't know. 
I don't know. I, I think that the thing written on his knife pouch thing, the fact that in 2010 there was a knife with his name carved. Now, someone could have put it there, I guess, carved his name into yeah. it, you know, however many years after the fact. But, like, I don't know. I just... And it seemed like, from what I read, the two of them had kind of a, some tension in their relationship as well because he was supposedly, like sleeping around or so I, yeah. I like if this, he's he, he's like oh i'm a hard satanic dude and i carry knives and no one's gonna tell me what to do and they get into a fight yeah i could see that ending with murder you know yeah and especially if and it is a big if if um, so we know he was using cannabis. He was convicted of supplying cannabis. Yeah. But if that had had some kind of... Mental effect. Yeah, impact on his development, like men brain development, you know. Yeah. 14, your body is still massively developing. Yet. Your body doesn't fully develop till I think it's 25. Your brain doesn't stop you're, growing until you're, you're 25. Yeah. So... If you're smoking cannabis on the regular at the age of 14, it's highly likely that could also have had an impact. Oh, yeah. Add together this, you know, liking for knives, carrying knives around, mm -hmm. you know, um, being all like, oh, I'm satanic, I'm violent, I'm. That's the this, thing. I'm it's that. like that, that teenage thing of like the desperate need to prove yourself and yeah. i think that's especially true for teenage boys in a lot of cultures yeah and you have to think this is all right it's less than 20 years ago but it's still it's an old mining community mm -hmm. let's say it's maybe hit by economic decline mm-hmm as a lot of the old mining areas in Northern England still are. Mm. So if we posit that that was a similar situation, you have this very macho culture already. Yeah. And, like, you've got, you know, the, the quote-unquote weird kids who are into heavy metal and, you know, they're running around praising Satan or whatever. They're already not fitting in. And I I could see that, you know, compelling someone to violence, even just as a, a an act of like, well, hey, look at me. He has, however, I think it was either last year or the year before, he did an interview with the the Scottish Herald, where he claims he was bullied as a child. He, you know, the teachers hated him. Woe is me, all of that you know, complete contrast to this image that was portrayed by the uh, the prosecution. Yeah. yeah. But, again, I don't know. We don't know what is true at this point. No. And that's the, that's the problem. And, like, uh, if 
it's tough because, you know, you want to sit here and you want to support, you know, justice reform and you don't want the wrong people to be sitting in jail for their entire lives or, you know, falsely accused or convicted of crimes. Like, I want every person who is being questioned by the police to have access to a lawyer. Yeah. Like, even if you're not being questioned as a suspect, I think people don't realize this. Even if you're as a witness, you have that right. I mean, I've always sort of held the belief that anytime you're talking to the police, in any instance, you should probably have a lawyer present. Yeah. And so, yeah, like, I want all that. I want that to be the world that we live in. But I also want the world that we live in to be able to take people to trial and have them convicted or acquitted by a jury of their peers based on whatever evidence is there. Yeah. And and not have to sort of rely on some false idea of like the perfect package of evidence that every case should have because it's just not, yeah. that's not a thing. Yeah, absolutely. I can't put it any better. <laughs> I don't know if that was <laughs> very logically said, but no, but but you are right because we don't have like a standard of what evidence. Yeah, there is a standard, obviously, for evidence, but of like every every case has to have this kind of evidence and that kind, and it has to have this and it has to have that. It's the case is brought about. You go to obviously in this country, it is CPS crime prosecution. Um, crown prosecution can't say my words today um america would be be the da yeah district, district attorney state's attorney. attorney or or if it's federal like um u.s attorney's office yeah and if they agree that there's enough to go to trial it goes to trial yeah and that's the thing as well like the case put forward by prosecution in any criminal trial does not necessarily include all the evidence. No. Like, they get to pick what's the strongest or what's the most, you know, the bits that are going to impact the jury. And and obviously, defense counsel gets discovery and gets to see what, you know, evidence can potentially but, be presented. But... yeah. The defense equally get the same opportunity. Yeah. They, if they've got someone who has a history of criminal activity, they're not then going to parade all that in front of the court, are they? Exactly. They're going to parade all the good things that they've done. Yeah. Which is fair enough. Yeah. That's the defense's job. But it works the other way as well. The, the prosecution don't care about the good things they've done because they're looking at the bad things you've done. Yeah. And so, like, as much as we can sit here and say, well, it was this evidence and this part was circumstantial and this, you know we don't know about this, like, there could be a whole nother box of files somewhere in in the, you know, East Houses Police Department and like all this stuff that just never got into the public domain. Yeah. If, and it's big if, if Luke Mitchell is innocent, that's awful. Yeah. But, a jury of his peers found that he wasn't. Yes. 
And if he's innocent, then, you know, we should have faith that the system will figure out a way to rectify that. Yeah. I mean, he's twice tried to take... Twice he's tried to take the the case to the Supreme Court, the Court of Human Rights. Each time, an independent reviewer in terms of, like, the Scottish Criminal Cases Review Commission... Yeah. ...found that he wasn't, which is supposedly an independent body, found that he wasn't a victim of miscarriage of justice. Yeah, this... This is a weird one because we found ourselves on the side of the police, which is very unusual for us. Yeah. And I think I feel like also just like I feel like I don't know enough. Like there are some cases that we cover where like take last week's case, for example, the Oscar Slater case. Right. Like it's pretty fucking clear based on everything that he was wrongfully convicted. Yeah. But. I don't have enough information about this case to sit here and say this guy's definitely innocent or this guy's definitely guilty. Like, yeah, I think I think that's that's the problem is that, yeah, there's plenty. I mean, there's a thousand trashy tabloid articles about this case. Yeah. But even like all the, you know, higher brow or broadsheet newspapers that have covered this case, it's the same information over and over. Yeah. It's not satisfying ending either way. No. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, the case did not stop there, though. Uh, last year, 2019, the 20-year minimum sentence handed down to Luke Mitchell was cited by the team working on Aaron Campbell's appeal. So, Aaron Campbell was found guilty of murdering six-year-old Alicia McPhail on the Isle of Butte in July 2018. So I remember this case. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you were in Glasgow at that time. Um, um, yeah, I think so. Were you still... I know it was your year when you were kind of all over the place. Oh, I, yeah, I was back and forth all year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there's many people in Scotland going to forget this case this anytime case. soon. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you didn't know, the uh, Alicia McPhail was a six-year-old girl who... She lived with her mother in Airdrie is just near Glasgow, uh, but her father lived in Rothsea with his parents on the Isle of Bute, and Alicia typically visited her father and grandparents uh, every other week, or every other weekend. Uh, but unlike England, Scottish schools break up a lot earlier for the summer holidays, so they break up in late June and go back in mid-August, rather than finishing late July and going back in early September. So, end of June... Alicia had gone to stay with her father's family on the Isle of Butte for half the holidays. On the night of July 1st, uh, 2018, Alicia McPhail was put to bed by her grandparents as usual. But when they uh, woke up the next morning, Alicia was gone. Uh, now, we're not going to get into the whole case, but uh, basically Alicia McPhail had been abducted, sexually assaulted, and murdered by 16-year-old Aaron Campbell. Campbell was apprehended two days later on July 4th, 2018, and the trial began in January 2019. Uh, due to Campbell's age, initially there was a suppression order preventing the press from naming him when reporting on the trial, uh, and this was lifted following his conviction later that year. 
Campbell was found guilty in February 2019 after the jury deliberated for just three hours and he was sentenced to 27 years in prison. Which isn't a bad sentence for murdering someone. He'll be in his early 40s when he gets out. He could still live a decent life after that, get married, have a family. You know, these are opportunities. No, just like Mitchell. These are opportunities which Alicia and Jody had so cruelly stolen from them. Yeah. Um, and these men will be out in their late 30s, early 40s, quite easily, you know. But in September 2019, so just over a year ago, his appeals team successfully argued that the client had been given a sentence which was unnecessarily excessive for raping and killing a six-year-old child. Uh, Part of their argument was based on the fact that Luke Mitchell had been sentenced to a minimum term of 20 years for the murder that he committed when he was 14. Campbell's sentence was reduced from 27 to 24 years and he will be eligible for parole when he is 40 years old. However, it is worth noting that Mitchell was 14 when he murdered Jody. he was 16 when he was convicted mm-hmm. but he was 14 at the time mm-hmm. whereas campbell was 16 when he abducted assaulted and murdered alicia so you have more crimes in that mm-hmm. you have the abduction and the sexual assault so this obviously is not in defense of mitchell at all but the slightly younger age may have played a part in his slightly shorter sentence even though campbell also was a minor, but he was 16, so that slight age gap may have played a part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that case was used, successfully used to argue a shorter sentence for a child murderer. Great. And that is the case of the murder of Jodie Jones. Yeah. Um... So I think we're just going to leave it there. Uh, Yeah. I think we've already said plenty. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Let us know what you think. Did did you know about the Jody Jones case uh, prior to this episode? Do you have any insider info or strong opinions or any any such things like that um if you do yeah i mean we this is like obviously just our thoughts of the case but you know there's plenty of people who do believe in his innocence so and i'd like to i talk to us i'd like to hear why like from a curiosity standpoint like yeah so you know uh come come start a conversation come yell at us on social media um we no don't yell at us because then we'll hide <laughs> we don't like being yelled at come come politely speak at us on social media <laughs> um uh we are on facebook uh we are on instagram uh we have a facebook group you can join if you so desire um we're on twitter but we're not really so don't don't message us there uh yeah might take a few weeks for us to realize exactly (laughs) um yeah so check that out um if you want to read more about the case and uh any of the sort of links and sources we've mentioned we will put those 
uh, in the show notes and on our website as usual. Um, and uh, if you would like to give us uh, a quick rating and review, um, that would be super cool because it really helps us, you know, build an audience and climb charts and things and and just get in front of more people. And so then, you know, we can all talk to more people, all of us here. You and us. I'm just gesturing to my empty living room. All of us here. <laughs> this, this is why this bit can't be unscripted. <laughs> yeah, I have noticed. Um, if you would like to go one step further, you can join our Patreon. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder. Pledges start from just one pound or one dollar per month. Uh, all patrons get access to regular episodes the day before general release. Uh, $2 and up get some cool merch. $5 or £5 and up get free episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which this month was the monster episode on forensic geology. Mm-hmm. Um, which we loved researching and yeah. recording. Um, so yeah. If you'd like to do that, we are always very grateful. All money goes back into the pod and helps support us. Yes, for example, uh, this month, Patreon money is going to renewing our don- domain name for the website. Yay! So, yay! Thank you, guys. <laughs> and uh, like Taylor said, come and follow us on social media because... So this will be going out on Tuesday for Patreon's Wednesday general release. Mm-hmm. This Friday, we have something very exciting happening. Um, So go follow our social media to keep up to date with that. Yes, yeah. Uh, Hopefully you guys will like that. Um, And and we will like telling it to you. Yes, we've been working very hard. The ducks have been working hard. If you don't know about the ducks, go follow follow us on social media. The ducks make frequent appearances. Make more sense. Um, Yeah, we have our ducks are in a row. (laughs) literally they are sat in a row right now um yeah we're very excited about this yeah. so we will see you all on social media on friday um that is all yeah. you are dismissed you may leave thank you for listening uh we'll see you later yeah thanks bye bye